welcome, dear listener, to another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, and it's a massive episode today. With me, three co-hosts, NVD, Liam, and Eli. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Through the Banner podcast. How are you guys going? Casper, how are you? Oh, couldn't be better. Well, you know, I would... If Essendon was playing in the finals, then obviously it would be better. But, you know, aside from that, that hey, realistically real, was never going to happen. Real uh, August feel about it at the moment, going into September sort of action, except we're at the end of September going into October. So mm. just feels like winter at the moment for us, doesn't it, boys? Tomorrow was meant to be the grand final originally. So there you go. Well, there you go. How was your public um, holiday? Oh, wait. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> uh, politics, naughty me. <laughs> 2020 what a random year before we discuss so in this episode dear listener it will be a review of the 10 teams bad enough not to make october 1st say september october football but before we get into the preview of the teams that sucked we have to discuss round 18 a little bit it was a climactic finish to the season it came down to the final game to decide finals and we got to discuss it. Our top highlight, our top low light of the weekend that was MVD. We'll start with you. What was your top highlight? Uh, my highlight has to have been the way we, uh, we Hawthorne sent out uh, Ben Stratton and Paul Puopolo. Mm. The longest streak in the AFL for kicking goals is over. Thank goodness Ben Stratton uh, managed to get a goal in his last game. Hawthorne smacked Gold Coast again for the last time. And I get a Mars bar off you, Casper. So I'm happy with that. Yes. That's my highlight. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well done. Well done. Look, I'll admit, as even as someone who doesn't like Hawthorne and didn't really like Ben Stratton, it was heartwarming to see him get a goal in his final game. Well, let's just say he pinched it. <laughs> nice. Nice one. He what did about you, Eli? What was your highlight for the like, round 18? Yeah, as Casper said, the climactic finish, uh, the fixturing is my highlight. Um, Travis Olden, his team has done a fantastic job all season. Um, and I do think it was somewhat deliberate to, like they left the round 18 as sort of ghost fixture um, and when it was finalised. I'm sure they had a good idea of how it was going to play out. So the last two games deciding the top eight and the order of the top eight as well with uh, Port Adelaide winning, giving them the minor premiership or giving it to my beloved Lions um, and even Collingwood losing, making them go to Perth uh, first week of finals. So there was a lot riding on it and... I just think it was very well done, and I think that uh, Travis Orton and his team deserve a lot of credit for the whole season. So um, it was a fitting finish by them. And now for the Collingwood supporter, Liam, saw you face palming there <laughs> when Eli mentioned your trip to Perth. What was your highlight of the weekend? Yeah, I've got to go with Michael. I've got to agree. The Hawks' send-off of uh, Stratton Puopolo was absolutely brilliant. And uh, t- leaving it to the final five minutes of his career, uh, Stratton managed to slot a, a goal. So that, that was a pretty impressive moment. Something that, even as a Collingwood fan who's hated Hawthorne for, you know, for the last seven, eight years, uh, I could take a little bit of pleasure in Stratton's uh, moment in the limelight. And kudos to Poppy as well, kicking a small bag of goals in his final game. That was, that was um, pretty spectacular as well. I think for me, the highlight, well, that's the obvious highlight, but I'll mention uh, runner-up, an honorary mention, uh, honourable mention should be the fact that the Sydney Swans, my beloved Swans, my second team, my Swans, pushed Geelong all the way. It was such a good game of football. When, I think it was... um. 
oh god I can't remember who kicked a goal but when we got I think it was McCartan who got the goal was like 20 seconds to go and all of a sudden it was 20 seconds ago we were down by a goal and if Geelong if we managed to snatch a draw out of it Geelong would be fifth they would have been fifth and you guys would be playing Geelong instead of West Coast Liam and we get inside 50 and Blitzard smothered it oh my goodness heart and mouth stuff and Swans were bottom four no chance we're going to move out of bottom four. But it was such a great game of football and such a fantastic finish to the season. Mm. Now we've got to discuss the other. The lowlights, let's roll them out. How about you, Eli? You can go first. What's your top lowlight? It's just got to be GWS's performance. Um, last game of the season, you give yourself a chance to play finals and you just get absolutely demolished. I mean, full credit to the Saints. They played well, but mm. you just expect a better effort, really. Um, it goes back to the common cliche. I guess they're a team of champions, not a champion team. They've had the best list in the AFL for the last four, maybe five years. And um, yeah, they tasted momentary success last year, getting to the grand final, but that's really all they did in um, a couple of prelims. So I think that, yeah, there was so much riding on this for them as a club for them to really push after what was probably a disappointing season. Um, just with the lack of effort, um, it's just unacceptable, really. Um, if I was a GWS fan, I would be very disappointed with that finish. Yep, agreed. They were absolutely rubbish. They were the definition. I think last weekend I described North Melbourne as being the definition of a dumpster fire after the, smart, after the fire's been put out. That was the Giants on Thursday night. They were absolutely awful. They were the definition. They were no, I can't say what I was about to say. That's too mean. I was gonna I was gonna say I was gonna say they were the definition of the show keeping up with the Kardashians. Absolute trash. <laughs> That's oh. what I'm gonna say. That's what we're gonna go as Kim Kanye. I'm sorry if you're somehow listening to this. Um, but thank goodness that show is over. <laughs> Moving that's, on. That's what they have in um, common. They're, they're both done. So that's very true. That's <laughs> cool, very Kessler. true. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, moving on, MVD. How about you? What's your top low light? I was going to say the exact same as Eli, but I was, in the interest of being different and trying to figure out a different way of going about it, uh, I'm going to throw Luna Enright in under the bus at this point in time. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it sounds like yeah. you might have. The uh, the hilarious moment when she'd had enough of watching Geelong and decided, no, you know what? I'm going to turn it over to the rugby. Um, and did it in the la- in the dying uh, dying seconds of the match. Turn it back over. The final siren's already gone. No one knows in- what's going on in the hub. And they get to celebrate just because they find out the final score. They didn't see the final siren go. But Luna Enright, uh, it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I think that was just gold the way it happened. So um, as much as the low light as you can get. But I think it was just pretty cool. <laughs> pretty funny was, to see. That was hilarious, yeah. Dang. <laughs> I to put that in there. I'll send you I the link it. afterwards, Casper. Oh, it's okay. Please do. It sounds funny. <laughs> Must see. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a room full of oh. Geelong supporters going, or Geelong family members just freaking out because they're not sure what's happened. (laughs) Wait, switch it back, switch it back. Uh I've never seen Geelong Geelong people move so fast. (laughs) Liam, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with uh, Eli, though. I mean, I think it's all three of us kind of agreed. uh, GWS's performance was just abysmal. I mean, again, Mm. chance to play finals, you know, against a team who... You know, in St Kilda, who have had a you know pretty good year, let's be real. But 
you know, to get beat by 52 points in, you know, the final game of the season with your hopes of a finals campaign on the line, you know, that's just not, not the standard that a team with the star players they have uh, should be setting. They were at half time nine points down the Giants. They, in the last, in the second half, they conceded seven goals, five. They kicked four behinds themselves. That does it all really. That in a 12 month period that included an 89 point loss to the Tigers last year, a 41 point loss to a young Sydney team. Who's pretty much, you know, they have the average, or they they probably have the um, they're at the same level as like an uh, a Nifl team or Waffle team. They're not an AFL caliber list of swans just because of the injury. Then they used, you know, they're a young group of players and they got hammered by them, the Giants, in the yeah, same. That's a, that's a whack at Sydney period. too, by the way. Just saying, it nice is. little drive it by. Is. It is. Look, it is. No. It is. Look, I'm I'm a realistic Sydney supporter, but um, in the same 12 month period as that that loss to the Saints was by far their worst loss in the last 12 months. I think also in the last, in the same sort of period, they had five of the eight lowest scores as a club. Um, and that's going back to being a brand new club full of 18-year-olds, essentially, um, back to 2011, 12, whenever that might have been. So, yeah, it's been a big turnaround for them. What do they need to do? I, I know we're, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but for mine, GWS are the most overrated side at this point. Like you said earlier, I think, Eli, they're a tournament champion, not a champion team. How are they going to change that perception going into 2021-2022? I think uh, going, yeah, moving forward a little bit, uh, one of my lowlights for them was just dropping their captain. Mm. Um, I think that just sends a very poor message, uh, not only to your fans, but to the rest of the league as well. You've just signed a bloke for seven years for $7 million dollars. And you're dropping him for still being a very good performer. Um, I think they were trying to make a statement and it didn't work. I was surprised that they re-signed Leon Cameron uh, for another two uh, two seasons, I believe it was. Um, that was surprising to me. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's a good question because um, sometimes you think teams are... Yeah, it, it was hard with this COVID season to really know where each club was at. But I think that a lot of it just comes down to heart. Um, you look at Melbourne, they've they had a similar list of what they had last year and what was probably a very disappointing season for them. And they've still come out and had a real good tilt at finals. Um, they've probably overachieved to everyone's standards. So um, I think it just comes down to heart at the end of the day and the want. Um, I don't know what... You can't really get inside the players' heads to know what they're thinking, but um, that's what it really looks like to me. Because the ability is clearly there. We, we know they've got a, a lot of high caliber players, um, but I just don't think they could put it together for a whole season. Yep. I would agree with that. They have the, I I'm willing to say they have the most talented list. If you just look at the names on it of any team in the competition, maybe Richmond, maybe West coast, but the giants are definitely inside that top three of the most talented lists in the competition. And yet they are they are outside September looking in. That is a massive failure. The best and thing for them is they're able to blood some young players as well. Um, yes. Tom Green coming through, he's had a couple of good games. Jake Riccardi um, oh, is another forward. Even. Yeah, and if it, if it looks likely that Cameron might go, 
one that could free up a bit of cap space um, to go after another player. But again, I'm not sure that lack of ability is is the issue. So, um, but yeah, the, the the fact that we get some young players in, get some games into them, I, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think it's the grey matter between the years. To be perfectly honest, I don't think you. Yeah, they're not short on talent. That's for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Moving on. Oh, hang on a second. I mm, I was about to eviscerate North Melbourne, but do I eviscerate them now? Do I eviscerate them later? Why not do both? Okay, so. Hang on a minute. 15, 15, what, 15 what are you going to do to North Melbourne? Eviscerate. What is eviscerate? Is that not a word? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard about it. I don't know about you boys. Have you heard well, of it? <laughs> I'm Googling eviscerate. I, I was, I was, eviscerate. I'm, sure, I'm sure, Liam, it's, it gets you a high score in Scrabble, but I don't know if it's a correct word or not, is it? Eviscerate. Yeah, disembowel someone. Yeah, there you go. Disembowel. (laughs) I'm just about to disembowel. I'll put that in the uh, memory bank for another show or something like that to try and see what we can come up with. Eviscerate. I'm about to eviscerate them. Right. So 15 point loss to West Coast. Okay, not a bad performance. Not a bad performance at all. To then come out and cut 11 players just like that. And then all of a sudden, Ben Brown on the way out, Sean Higgins on the way out. And all of a sudden you're looking here and you're thinking, what the heck was this club thinking at the start of the year? When they had finals, they had top six ambitions and they came out and they said, we set this ambition for ourselves. We should finish here. We should finish here. We should be a very good team. All of a sudden they finish a year with three wins. And keep in mind those three wins, one was by two points against the Saints team that choked. They didn't win that game. The Saints lost it. And the other was against the worst team in the competition in the Adelaide Crows. So really, if it wasn't for how bad Adelaide was, North Melbourne would have finished at the bottom of the ladder, far and away the worst team of the competition. And they wholeheartedly deserve it for how terrible they've been. And now, if you're a North Melbourne supporter, you've got to be thinking, where is this club at? Where is this club going? Because you bring in all these players, they they brought in the likes of Pollock to, to win a final, to win multiple finals, to win a flag. And now you're getting rid of Ben Brown. You're getting rid of um, Sean Higgins. You mismanaged Ben Cunnington's injury. You mismanaged Jack Zebel's injury in the middle of the year. This club has been a disaster ever since the Wayne Carey cheating scandal in the early 21st century. They almost had their, their ish together towards the end of the decade and then the 2010s aside from 2014 and 2015 and the start of 2016 the 2010s major disappointment the 2020s looked like it could be worse who was the third win against casper it was against uh the giants funnily enough it was because they were two and oh at the start of the year they were two and really really happy with them how about this how about this for a crazy stat guys at the end of round two, there were only three teams that sat undefeated. Port Adelaide, North Melbourne, and Essendon. And now one of them is playing finals. First position. Another one finished 17th. And the other one finished... I don't even know where we finished. I don't want to look at the ladder. I think we're like 14th or something. 13th. 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 There you go. <laughs> Not much better. But how is that for crazy? 
Unbelievable. Like a case of uh, Gold Coast Lighters, just start strong and then just fade away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly correct. Moving on to the next part of the podcast. We touched upon it a little bit, but we're going to go through each ten, each of the 10 teams that have missed finals. We'll give them one highlight, one low light, and why not? We'll give them what they can do to make it to September next year, if finals are played in September next year, that is. We'll start off going from 18th to 9th with the Adelaide Crows. One highlight, one low light. What do they need to do to move up the ladder? Eli, you go up first. Well, my highlight for them was probably um, over the last good amount of time, just Adelaide winning in September, and they've done it again somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and still managing to finish bottom of the ladder. So, yeah, the, the end, of, end of the season, I think, um, just a really positive step for them. Um, low light for them, it just from the start, the, uh, the COVID training breach. Um, I just don't think that was a, <laughs> a good start at all. And also the emergence of the uh, infamous camp details. Um, again, how well, it's not like they're going to confirm that, but um, if, if all is true, it's... Pretty ordinary, um, but what, what they can do to make finals um, is probably recruit eight gun players and um, somehow somehow just get there. I, I, don't, I don't give them much of a chance, but um, again, they've got some good young players coming through. Lockie Shoal was a, was a highlight. Um, I'm pretty happy for Ben Keyes, former Brisbane player. Um, I'm not too sure why we delisted him. Um, he couldn't quite crack through, but being a, a Brisbane or Queensland boy, he seemed to be good for the club. So I'm glad that he's um, got some consistent game time and he's performing well for him. So, yeah, I just think keep keep on keeping on for them. Um, the finals might be a few years away, but, um, yeah, the last month or so was a good step for them. Mm, agreed. Liam? I mean, low light wise, where do you start? I mean, <laughs> you start round one and you end at round 15 because it took them that long just to get off the mark. So for me, it's the low lights at taking them 15 rounds to finally notch up four points. Um, but on the positive side, they did manage to get three wins on the trot from there. So, you know, they had a, a couple of weeks there where they actually could enjoy themselves. Um, as for making uh, the finals, like Eli said, I think we're a couple of years away from that. But I think also a bit of um, responsibility has got to fall onto some of the experienced players. You know, I think Tex Walker's got to, you know, if they can have any hope going forward, players like him need to try and find, you know, the remnants of their once good version. And I think they also need more leaders out there. I mean, Sloan was out for, you know, a fair chunk of the season. And without him, they just look lost out in the field. So I think. They needed a few more leaders and a few more of their older players to really um, pick up their game, I think, ultimately. Yep, I agree with that one. Michael? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, like you guys said, the highlight was the th- was September. The low light was the six months previous. And uh, <laughs> and we're, uh, I think we're... Nah, but I will, I will give them the highlight. Their highlight, that not that we've heard of, is that they didn't have... Uh, wooden spoons thrown onto their training facility uh, like the Brisbane Broncos did up in Brisbane this uh, over the last 24 hours um, to be perfectly honest but yeah I think their premiership clocks at about one two o'clock in the morning and they're struggling to uh, to even register in finals sort of action for the next couple of years they've got 
Um, and they need, to, they need to try in some ways, either keep the Crouch brothers or f get something good for them. So from what I'm hearing, there's a couple of them or either both of them or, or one of them at least is out of the door, out the way. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the trade period for them. I'll say this for my top highlight for Adelaide. You touched upon the Broncos. At least the Crows aren't the Broncos, right? Because uh, just touching on NRL slightly with this, the Broncos made finals last year, had their biggest ever loss in, ever in club history, 58 to nil against Parramatta, and then came back first two rounds of the year, won their first two games, and people thought, okay, they've got their, they've got their act together. COVID break came back and in the 18 games since they won one, they won, they lost 11 straight, won their first ever wooden spoon and managed to top their effort from the elimination final last year when they lost to the Sydney Roosters in round four, I think 59 to nil, 59 to nil. I can do better than that. I could play better than that. And I mean, look at me. I'm, I, I have the physique of someone who, if he gets tackled, if he gets shoved in the back by a rugby league player, I'll break every single bone in my body. And I could play better than the Brisbane Broncos. That's why I think the Crows would be happy with their year. Additionally, they would be happy, not just the three wins in a row, but two of them came against teams who were fighting for finals at the time. Like, Arthur, that's incredible. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, the Giants and the Blues. The Giants, you're right, the Hawks were trash this season. But the Giants and the Blues had an opportunity. They headed into that game knowing that they had to win to maintain the chance for finals. And the Crows brutally denied Carlton a chance for September action, October action. I've got to stop saying September action. And the Giants, um, the Giants flustered against the Crows, but only because of Adelaide's pressure. So that for me is their highlight, highlights there. The low lights, losing, not just the fact that they lost the first 13 games to start the year, but they lost big. They were big, big, big losses. 53 points against the Suns. 69 points against North Melbourne. I've forgotten the other, but they, they were big, heavy, heavy, heavy losses, demoralizing losses for a team I'm just looking up their fixture at the moment to see if I can spot any other particularly big results. But they were all big. They were all absolutely... And how about this, Adelaide? How about this? I just realized as well. How about this for a low light? You managed to win three games in September for the first time since 2017. And yet, your last game of football for the year, at the end of September, you got hammered by the Tigers again. Rub, salt, wound. How about that? Ooh. <laughs> Fair enough. Ooh, do you feel that burn? Do you feel that? They lost by 50 points to Melbourne. They lost by over 50 points to the Dogs. They lost by 30-something points to Geelong. They lost by 30-something points to the Eagles. They lost by Kasper, 20 points Kasper, to Fremantle. Casper, you're just rehashing it. Adelaide, play, Adelaide supporters aren't going to listen past this point. I know, but <laughs> still. You want to try and keep them all on side for at least half a more minute. I know. Look, Don't worry. Look. They'll, they'll enjoy it when we get to Westendon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's uh, very true. At least they moving, had more hope for the future than. Are we moving on to North Melbourne? Let's move on to North Melbourne. I've already eviscerated North Melbourne, so how about you guys disembowel them? Go ahead. <laughs> Who's going to go, Liam? 
All right, I'll crack on. Um, yeah, the low light, we've kind of already touched on it, but the fact that uh, Ben Brown, uh, Higgins, you know, a few of their big stars are obviously departing. That's a, a big low light. And also just well below expectations, I think, overall for the year. I think, you know, they were definitely a team which at the start of the year, people were saying, you know, the rebuild's about to begin. You know, they came off a fairly positive, more or less, period at the back end of last year under Reese Shaw. And, yeah, I mean, it's just an awful year all around for North Melbourne. Um, but the highlight was pretty much when it all started, you know, the first two games, two impressive wins over, you know, GWS and St Kilda, but it just went downhill from there for them. But, yeah, the highlight, like I said, the first two rounds, I think they did quite well. It's unfortunate they couldn't carry it on for their sake. Mm. Yep, that's true. Michael? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I was going to say something similar, but the first, well, what is it, March through to June was probably pretty much the highlights, the first two rounds. I mean, you could throw in that middle part as well. Why not? They'll probably up them. They'll probably cock a hoop. That's probably all the reason they've got. So, yeah, till about about the 15th or so of June. Oh, no, we'll give them till the 19th of June. It was the 20th that they lost to Sydney. So, uh, give them that at least anyway. Um, the low light, I suppose, whatever, post that. No, actually, I did have the low light for you. Uh, Friday, September 18, which is when they cut 11 players from their list. Um, the North Melbourne supporters are sitting there going, what is going on there? Yeah, some of them are fair. Some of them, I was quite surprised with a couple of them. But uh, yeah, I can't believe they're asking, what is it, Jared Polek and and Ben Brown to go look for new homes. I mean, I'm mm. sure there's a few clubs that are sitting there going, hello, we'll, be, yep. we'll quite comfortably take you. So um yeah, so the less said about North Melbourne. Hey, and although I did hear tonight that they're three years, they should have done this three years ago. So they're effectively three years behind where they need to go. Yep. The highlight, they got two, picks two and nine. So don't trade it. I do would. not, North, do not, do not do that. Okay, don't get it, do not get rehashed players from other clubs and trade your top 10 picks for them. Eli, quick go because Casper's uh, already disemboweled them once. I might have to mute him to keep <laughs> moving through. Yeah, I think um, even before the uh, delisting, I think dropping the experienced players during the year, like Brown, Pollock, Peter, just leaving them out of the side. Um, I, I just think that was a bad look again. Um, highlights, yeah, you're clutching at straws, really. Um, it's good to see Jai Simkin playing some good footy this year. Um, LDU with Davies Uniaki. Um, stepping up as well. Obviously, he hasn't lit up the world by any means, but um, I think it's positive signs for, for North fans and will be a very bleak season because knowing a few of them, they were quite quite excited that it was the last round last week. So, um, yeah. And what they can do to make finals, um, I think they've clearly indicated that a big rebuild's on the way. So, um, that's really up to them. So, just not sure what to what to make of it. Yeah, but, same as you, Michael. I was surprised by some of their delistings. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they attack the trade period and free agency in the draft. Surely, wooden spoon favourites for next year, North Melbourne. Uh, Adelaide might have something to say about that. <laughs> it would be very close, at least. It would be very close. It would be a two-horse race between those two teams, I reckon. Moving on to the Sydney Swans. Finishing 16th, they had five wins. Same as Hawthorne in 15th. I'm curious to hear you guys, your opinion on this, because I think it was Damien Barrett 
who wrote in his weekly column how disappointed he was in the Swans season. And I'm sitting here as a Sydney fan thinking, disappointed. I mean, what expectations did people have of us, realistically? Um, did they expect us to make finals? I don't, I don't understand how that season could be seen as disappointed. So I'll, um, I'll go first with this one. I think top highlight for me, some of the victories that they had, I'm super proud of as a fan of the Sydney Swans to, at the time, yes, it was an impressive victory against North Melbourne. North Melbourne coming off two wins in a row. Swans coming off a heartbreaking loss against Essendon to beat the Kangaroos comfortably on their home ground at Marvel Stadium. I was very proud of that, but I was even prouder of the victory against the Giants in Perth, keeping the Giants to their equal lowest score ever. And they only got the goals due to very dodgy officiating. So they won by 41 points. They should have won by 59 points. And it was a very impressive performance, especially considering the injuries that they had. Buddy, Kennedy, Heaney, this one's team, it's going to be a painful year next year as well, probably. But looked up for us to rebound in 2022. Low lights, though. Some of the losses were really, really, really bad. And with the young team, I'm not looking necessarily to win every game. I'm just looking for effort. And I'm looking for heart. The loss against Fremantle was completely devoid of both. The lowest score that the team, uh, that the uh, that the Swans scored since the 70s, their lowest ever score as the Sydney Swans, two seven nineteen. I could sit here and make fun of the Giants for only kicking three goals seven against us, but we did one goal worse than them, two goals seven. So for me, that and was you the first, And you kicked the first goal of the match too. Oh, geez. Yet again, <laughs> second year in a row. Second year in a row after Essendon in 2019 conceded hashtag 21 in a row against the Western Bulldogs. Never forget about that one. It's mentally burned into my brain. But after kicking 21, then we kicked, we kicked the first goal on that one too. And then my other team kicked the first goal against Fremantle of all teams. No offense, Fremantle, but you know, you're not necessarily the Harlem Globetrotters of the AFL. Like, at least the Dogs made the finals last year. And then we conceded an avalanche of goals against Fremantle as well. So for me, that's the low light. Can they make finals next year? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised if they finished anywhere from like 13th till ninth, you know, somewhere in that range. Liam and Eli, you can tell the time difference, can't you? He's up and about, Casper. I don't know what's wound him up today, but he's <laughs> up and about. <laughs> Is that oh burger God, I had beforehand? Is that burger <laughs> I had beforehand? Probably the 39 degree temperatures as well. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That'd be nice. Uh, oh, dear. What do you reckon, boys? Who, Sydney, you guys want to go with anything further? Yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah, I mean, the injury list was awful, wasn't it? I mean, you know, nobody at all for the whole year. I mean, that's just, that's, that's a shocker. And then, yeah, I agree with you, Casper, on the uh, 19 points against Fremantle. I mean, let's be real. You're not going to win a game with 19 points under any circumstance. Even so, with 16 yeah. minute quarters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those are the lowlights. But on the positive, they only lost by more than 10 points uh, five times. Out of their 12 losses. So they were fairly competitive um, for the majority of their games. And they did have a thumping win against GWS in the Battle of the Bridge, winning that by 41 points. So there are some, uh, you know, glimmers of hope for Sydney moving forward, I suppose. 
suck it giants <laughs> battle of the bridge wasn't a battle at all wasn't even yeah. a contest on that Eli- point lamb um yeah they, they, they just seem to keep challenging and um i only have to go back a couple of weeks to when they burst uh my lines and um i was very nervous in the last quarter that they were coming hard and um just credit to them um Malola was nobody um so close to you, you think he's a season or two away from a thousand goals because Let's be, let's be real, I'm not going to see that again in my lifetime from one player. So um, I just hope he can get up and get a couple more seasons out of those legs, which is looking less and less likely. But um, a highlight for me, I think the last time I was on this show, this was my, my highlight of the round, and it was Josh Kennedy's goal in his 250th game. Mm. Um, also in the night, his grandfather passed away. So, mm. uh, well, yeah, not the yeah, night of. So um, that was just a great moment. Um, but yes, they're in it, they're in an interesting spot because they've got experience and some good uh, some good veterans. You, you look at their midfield; they've um, still got Parker and Kennedy running around, and um, it's they're in an interesting spot because with those players, if they were in a Premiership window, you'd look to build around them. But with so many youth, so much youth around them, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation for the list managers because. They're two good players to move on. Um, you wouldn't trade them because they've been so good for the club. Um, but, yeah, I think they just need to keep building around them. Um, and, yeah, I hope the lizard, Nick Blakey, gets up and uh, keeps, keeps improving because I love watching him play because he gives hope to, to many poor rigged players like myself out there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, uh, I think the, the highlight for me was that uh, round eight win against Hawthorne. I think the way they were able to win that and uh, as much as it pains me to say it, Tom Papley kicking that bag of goals that he did. Yeah. Frustrating as anything, but uh, quite <laughs> quite an interesting one. I think that was probably a good highlight for them. I, for me, the low light of them was the whole Elijah Taylor incident. Um, yep. I don't want to talk too much on it because it's still going on through a fair different, a few different channels. But for mine, that that didn't paint Elijah and the Sydney Swans in a great deal of light, uh, light to be honest. So um, if he's if his times it done at the club, that'll be very interesting. He's, which is sad because he was a very exciting player, and uh, he, in that game against Hawthorne, he did very well. So uh, disappointing, but. Uh, they're looking forward to 2021 as as soon as possible. Franklin needs what 60, 56 goals to get 56, to a thousand. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we get to see it because, like you said, Eli, I don't think we'll, we'll get to see a thousand in in our lifetime again. So um, I know a couple of mates that want to get to wherever he's playing just to be a part of it. So hopefully we can get crowds to see it um, <laughs> and all that. But uh, yeah, that they're gonna they need someone else up there. They can't be running around with that forward line. If they're to yep. threaten, they need they need a Joe Danaher, they need a, a Jeremy Cameron, they need someone like that to be there and, and, and to be there be there enough. Mm-hmm. I like Ben Brown, the idea of Ben, ben Brown, Brown in oh. red and white. Yeah. If, Keeping if Papley locked can... up to a new deal's big though. Oh, <laughs> that is massive. Oh, that made me so happy. Made me so happy. Hear that Carlson, you can't have him. You can't have him. You gotta you're gonna have to That's uh, what you... said, you can't have him. You can't have him. He's <laughs> off the table. Um, yeah, I think that that brought a smile to my face, seeing the fact that he's staying, um, especially after the months and months and months, a year of 
comments on social media from Carlson fans saying, oh, I can't wait to see him wearing navy blue. And when he played in the bushfire relief match back in February, wearing the uh, dark blue of the Vix, saying, Carlton fans saying, like, oh, wow, doesn't he look great wearing dark blue? Well, guess what? It's not going to happen again. Seriously, you've just disemboweled Carlton now, too. Jeez. I've even forgotten what that word is now. <laughs> I've got a few enemies here. Jeez, Casper. I don't think you'll be back for your own podcast next week, mate. <laughs> I'm, mate I'm, burning bridges. I'm burning bridges left, right, and centre. Uh, oh, but God. you know what? Some clubs. Just some wait for clubs it. He hasn't even started it. on Hawthorne yet. Speaking of, shall we move to the Hawks? Let's move to the Hawks. MVD, you could go first. Uh, highlight. Round one versus Brisbane. Yes. Sorry, Eli. <laughs> Sorry, I have to preface this. My brother's also a Brisbane supporter. So the fact that there was all these text messages going backwards and forwards between us, I was quite happy that we beat them. Um, low light. Everything after the COVID break, honestly. Um, yeah, going to be an interesting off-season for them, see what happens. Uh, we've spoken about Stratton and Puopolo already gone. Uh, Henderson also gone. That's a surprise for me. Be interesting to see that a couple more list changes. We, I think we need a good. Uh, we need to get Jeremy Cameron fit. No, not Jeremy Cameron. Jonathan Patton, the other, <laughs> the other ruckman, uh, the other forward. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Patton fit needs that needs to happen. Um, like the emergence of Will Day, he's been fantastic. Um, Sean Burgoyne going around again. I, I like it in a coaching sort of role, similar to what Hodgie is. I think he'll become the first Indigenous player to reach 400 games. Uh, next year, which will be fantastic. And like we just said about Buddy, don't think we'll ever see someone hit 400 games again at this point. Wow. Big I think, call. I think Burgoyne may be the last. Um, just the way the game's going, the way people are getting injured and all that sort of stuff, it'd be very surprising. So um, might have to get myself to that game wherever it might be. That's a big call. Jeez, I would love, that. I would love for that game to be at the MCG. Just with like seventy to eighty thousand people there, Hawthorne versus some other big Victorian club. That would be great to see. I would love for that to happen. So long reckon, as, of course, it's COVID safe and all that. Do you reckon Hawthorne gets seventy to eighty thousand people at the moment? The way they're playing at the moment. <laughs> Let's probably be honest. Not. It'd probably be made up of like sixty-five thousand people from the other teams' support hey, base. Hey, I'd be happy if Hawthorne played Brisbane at the MCG and and we got seventy, eighty thousand people there to watch Burgoyne play his four hundred. Like, to be honest, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be great. That oh, that great. might be the grand final next year, though, hey? Hawthorne be Brisbane. Why not? <laughs> I'd be happy with that. Yeah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> wow. How about you, Liam? Yeah, I mean, where do you start for Hawthorne? Um, we'll start with the positives, yeah. Beating Brisbane and Richmond, you know, two of the Oh, yeah, we beat Richmond teams. too. I forgot about that. Yeah, so, you know, you beat two of the, you know, premiership contenders. Let's not forget that. Um but on the low light side, I mean, you were Adelaide's first scalp. Um, Someone had to be. <laughs> true. Um, but also a lot of hefty losses in there. Seven out of the 12 losses were by five goals or more. So, Which is yeah. very unhawthorne-like in, in my opinion. Yeah. In the last few years. Like, you didn't see it coming so drastically, I don't think. Mm-mm. Maybe I was with rose-coloured glasses on, but... <laughs> on the topic of uh, the 400 games, though, I've got to put my Collingwood cap on here, and I've got to say oh, Scott Pendlebury. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yep. He's four, four years off, probably. He's at about 315 now. He's 32, but he feels like he's 25 from what he's been saying, and he's that sort of player who's 
probably got a really long engine in him just because of the fact his game isn't based on physicality. You know, he's all class. So he's a full basketballer. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him push the 400 mark personally. Yeah, true. Sorry. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a fair point. I forgot about Pendles, but I, you don't see too many more happening in that regard. Hmm. Great. So. Eli? Yeah, all my Hawthorne points have been mentioned. Uh, my highlight was definitely the last game. Ben Stratton, Paul Poplo. Um, low light was also the Ad- uh, losing to Adelaide for their first win. I will just make a, a mention as well. Um, it's not exactly a low light, but I think the way Alistair Clarkson got himself involved with the media mm. earlier in the season, like after the COVID break, um, I just thought it was weird. Not bad, not good, but... He garnered a lot of attention, and I think it garnered more attention towards Hawthorne and their play. Um, again, I don't know the inner workings of Hawthorne and uh, the way they've gone about it. Did they have a negative impact? I'm not sure. Um, but I just, yeah, found it. I mean, we, we know Clark has probably been the best coach uh, comes to the last 10 years, possibly even 15, um, to be consistently up there um, and to still be coach. You, you're not going to see too many more coaches um, be in the game as long as he has a one club. So uh, all credit to him. Um, did, he have the, did he have a good enough list? Not quite. Um, there's some great young players in there, though. Um, Warple sort of went sideways a little bit. Um, Tom Mitchell coming off a, um, coming off an ACL. ACL, was it? Um, leg. Broken leg. Broken leg there, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you wouldn't have expected him to be back to... Brownlow Mitchell getting averaging 50 disposals. But, um, yeah, it's just a weird season. Um, but, again, yeah, with the scalps of Brisbane um, and Richmond, I think there are still a lot of positives. Um, yeah, just just weird. Just weird because you feel like they're capable of so much. Um, and I think it was just an underperformance uh, during the COVID year. So we'll see how they get bounce back next season. Like I went at the media, like Casper's been going at every other team today. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Well, really. Liam. Here he well, comes, hey, Liam. I think he's about well, to tee off again, isn't he? Uh, I am. Look, I think I think well, I've talked a lot about Alistair Clarkson on this podcast before. Um, the the name of uh, one or two episodes ago, I put in the title for this podcast: Casper Casper calls out Clarko. Look, right? Did you respond? He is undoubtedly... <laughs> I, I think, think we need to get him on next week, Eli. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It'd be a very, very uh, tantalizing episode. I think, look, right? Hawthorne, Alistair Clarkson undoubtedly has been, in my mind, one of the best coaches of all time. One of the best coaches of all time. He has absolutely nothing to prove. And yet, he is out there on the defensive, unnecessarily so. Right? Okay, look, right? I... Uh, it's not necessarily that he's on the defensive, but it's the fact that he defends his team by reflecting blame onto others that I don't really like, right? You can understand him saying like, oh, you know, we had a couple of injuries. You can understand a coach blaming injuries because coaches always do that. You can understand a coach blaming the break or the random scheduling of this season as a reason for being as bad as they were because you know that's understandable teams have had haven't had to deal with footy festivals before haven't had to deal with four day breaks or three day breaks as often as they have before but to come out and blame the umpires after a win against north melbourne to blame tom papley for dive yes he did take a couple of dives but still not the reason why they lost that game and then to come out and blame st kilda for tactics 
that they used against the Hawks when Hawthorne themselves had been playing boring football throughout the entire season up until that point and doing the exact same thing that Clark was calling out St. Kilda for doing, I think is a blemish on Clarko's coaching career because it, it, it reflects a weird, uh, I don't know if I could say this, it reflects a weird kind of football insecurity about Clarko, which makes no sense for someone who's won four premiership cups in seven, he took seven years to win four premiership cups. There's nothing he has to prove. So why did he act the way he, did? I don't know. Anyways, it was weird. Moving on <clears throat> from the Hawks, although I should also mention honorable low light, uh, the second half against Essendon, the Joe show. If Joe Danaher is indeed leaving Essendon, I would say that his career at Essendon was worth it based on just two highlights. The game he played against St. Kilda back in 2017, which featured the rightful mark of the year, <coughs> Jeremy Howe, and the second half against Hawthorne a few weeks ago. So for me, Joe, if you are going, thank you for the memories, especially those two games. Moving on, next team. It's not quite Essendon yet. Gold Coast Suns in 14th spot. Started off hot as they always do, and then the sun fizzled out into a black hole. At least I think that's how science works. I don't know. I nearly failed science in high school. But the Suns, nevertheless, were hot and then weren't hot. Eli, how about you start off in this one? Yeah, that was my highlight. Their the start and obviously Matty Rao just tearing it up for the first couple of games and then doing yeah. his shoulder. Um, it was good to see him talking to shooting. And just, it was just awesome. <laughs> but um, then the low light was obviously that injury. Um, but I think what I really liked about their season was um, players like obviously him and Noah Anderson had a really good year. Um, but then Connor Butterick down back, Jack Lukosius getting some game time into Ben King as well. Um, they they showed a lot of promise early and you thought they were threatening for finals, even though that sort of faded towards the end of the year. Um, but I'm really excited for what they're going to bring next year because, like I said, they've, got some, they've blooded some good young players who have made an impact immediately, which is scarce. Um, but, yeah. I think they can really push for finals next year if they just keep lifting. And obviously, Matty Rao back. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited for them. And also for football in Queensland. Um, mm. we'll, we'll have a few conversations about this, Casper. And if you now that Brisbane's been good last couple of years, and if Gold Coast can get up to that and really ignite a good uh, rivalry, because that hasn't been there since, because we were very poor when they entered the league. And um, I think I remember Simon Black trying to, Ignited by calling out Jared Brennan and Michael Riscatelli as mercenaries <laughs> um, under media manager's advice. But um, yeah, I think it's really good for football in Queensland if they can both get going, especially now with uh, the NRL teams in Queensland altering. So it's a good opportunity for the AFL. Well, Eli, let's be honest. It's still the AFL teams in Queensland are doing a lot better than what the Queensland NRL sides are doing. The best Queensland NRL <laughs> sides sitting in Melbourne. So um, <laughs> we'll go with that at, at this point in time. The three, the three of the NRL sides, I think, it's sitting last, second last, and fourth last, or something. Yeah, so something like that. Great opportunity. You think, you think <laughs> AFL in Queensland's on a roll? I mean, oh, sorry for jumping in, boys, but I think. I think you're right. Everything points north for Gold Coast. If I mean, they're not scared. I think in their plans, they're not scheduled to play finals until 2022. But uh, if they can sort out their back end of the year um, and keep their front end of the year the way it was, I think they're going to be very impressive. That match against St Kilda, I'm looking forward to watching St Kilda uh, Gold Coast play for many years to come because of the way that game was played. Like, as 
I don't even care who who uh, gets a Hawthorne supporter. I'm looking at it going, really? Is that what we're looking at? Like, is that what the f- future of football is going to be like? I got really excited watching those two sides play in that game. Um, I know it went down to the wire and St Kilda won it, but for a lot of times there, I thought Gold Coast were, were going to get there. But yeah, looking forward to the Gold Coast. They've got a lot of positives. Sorry, I just jumped in, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. What would be your negative then for the Suns? Uh, Rouse injury, definitely. Yeah. Because there was all this positive sort of vibe about them and all that. Go down to Canadian Park, lose Rail in the first five minutes. And yeah, no, nah, no good at all. So, um, and their back half of the year, just, I think they were one and four out of their last five. That's They're out of their gonna... last, they, they were out of their last 10 games. Sorry, they were, I think, one win, one loss, and eight losses. Sorry, one, one win, one, win, one, draw, eight, and one and draw, and eight losses. There you go. Yeah. So that just shows you that they need to work on their back end. I don't know what it is, but they need to do something with it. Yep. I would agree with that one, Liam. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the low light, I mean, obviously they tailed off towards the back end of the year, but um, yeah, like everyone's saying, you know, there's a lot of positives. Um, Their start was, you know, great. You know, that win over the Eagles, albeit, you know, the Eagles aren't very good over on the Gold Coast, but, you know, they are a team which, uh, you know, looking good coming into finals and they beat them. Can't take that away from them. And yeah. Rush them. Yeah. Rush them. And not just see it was an annihilation. Tunneling. Yeah. And (laughs) disempowerment. Yeah. (laughs) And the episode. Yeah. (laughs) And as we've already discussed, the emergence of the likes of Matty Rowell, obviously, you know, he's going to be something big, hopefully, Um, you know, Obviously, got injured quite early on, but if he can get, you know, more than the few games he did out of him this year, he'll be uh, someone exciting to watch going forward. I completely agree with that one. I think for me, major highlight was me correctly predicting in round two that the Suns would beat the Eagles. Yes, I'm still living off of this. Why not? This is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life was tipping them to beat the West Coast Eagles back in round two. Still think you had something on that. Oh, 100%. (laughs) It's called... A lucky guess. Like it was a completely lucky guess, but do you know what? Sometimes fortune favors the brave, which is why I'm super ecstatic about that. I'm also super ecstatic about the quality of their victories, right? Because last year, their three wins were by one point, five points, and I think four points, right? Good wins, sure, but barely victories. Their wins this year included a 44-point win against West Coast, 53 points against the Adelaide Crows, five goals against the Sydney Swans, uh, just going to the fixture, 63 points against North Melbourne. When they won this year, almost every occasion they won comfortable, which is a great sign of their development. Even better, though, even more promising, was that last year when they lost, they lost big, right? So just some of their big losses last year, 73 points against the Adelaide Crows, back when the Crows went total, total terrible. The 59-point loss against Brisbane, a 91-point loss against Brisbane later on in the year, 69 points against Collingwood, 70 points against Hawthorne. Massive, massive, massive defeats. This year, their biggest loss was, was by 51 points. And yeah, you might say, oh, it's short in quarters. But most of their losses, they were competitive in. Most of their losses, they were competitive. They pushed Richmond all the way back in... Uh, back on August 17th. They nearly beat the Tigers, only went down by 21 points. Lost to the Saints by four points. Lost to the Dogs by five points. Nearly beat the Bombers as well. So this team is on the right track. 
but they've got to fix up the last I don't know what it is they just tail off they always start off strongly and then the sun fizzles out into nothing and everything dies as a result they have to fix it but their young players Anderson Raul Rankin King oh I'm looking at this team if they could stay together this nucleus is going to be the strongest in the team the strongest in the league out of any team forgetting about Charlie Ballard and Sam Collins down back. Um, mm. They were just massive this year, and especially Collins st- stepping up. Um, it allowed the coaches to play that um, as a sort of third, fourth defender, um, so he could yep. run off and be as attacking as he was, especially with his ball use. Um, a little too brave at times, um, but it was good for him to, uh, for his development this year. So, yeah, I think they've, like you, meant, you mentioned the word nucleus. I think they've just about got that. So um, they'll keep develop it, developing over the next few years. So again, like like a few of these teams, it'll be interesting to see how they attack the trade period and uh, and the draft as well. Yep, I would agree with that. I, I think, think if this... Sorry, you go. I was just going to say, I think there's a simple motto for Gold Coast moving forward and they're just going to use the song title. Just don't let the sun go down on me. Simple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Like They've got to stop, stop going down the ladder. They've got to keep moving up, you know, moving on from the first few games of the season. Keep going east. It's always rising. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Now, unfortunately, we have to discuss Essendon. I'll, um, I'll collect my thoughts. <laughs> I'll collect my thoughts. I see you, Michael, rubbing your hands together in anticipation. Uh, how about you go first? I'll collect my thoughts. I'll let you guys tackle Essendon first. Oh, I'm just, I'm just looking for a great, from the a collective disembowelment of Essendon, just purely because of what you've done for the rest of the teams uh, tonight. But anyway, let's, let's just, uh, I think the highlight was the first five matches. Uh, was the first five, first six matches of the season. Uh, Essendon were five and one flying. The bombers were flying up. And then all of a sudden they must've run out of fuel because they just went crash landing uh, in, from, from round six, round seven onwards, because I don't know what it was, um, but like the win against Collingwood was fantastic by 15 points. They only lost to Carlton by one, which is the first time I think you guys lost by them to them for quite some time. But I, I still like, and it was only that was only last kick of the game too by Townsend. So um, I think there was a lot to like in those first five matches, and it probably kept Essendon pl- people with the with the hope up and all that. Something happened between Saturday, July 11, and then Friday, July 17. Not too sure what it was, but uh, for them to come out and get absolutely walked by the Western Bulldogs. Uh, it happens all the time when they play the Bulldogs, though. Let's be real. Well, let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, that's probably fair, too. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And all like when Essendon lose, my social media just blows up because I've got all these Essendon supporters on there, and they're all bagging someone out and you're sitting there going mostly the umpires mostly the umpires yeah because they're sooks like that um <laughs> they need a pinch of good luck but anyway uh stratton tried to give him to him but anyway it didn't happen um but at the same time it just i, I just don't know what it is like the the fact they were trying to get the two coaches clearly didn't work um i don't see i i hear what matthew lloyd comes out and says in regards to the the side and I think he's on the right path because you look at and you go where are they at you can't see where they're at you can't see the game plan you can't see what's going on they try and play defensive football but then they try and slingshot across and now one of their slingshot is gone with Connor McKenna returning home to Ireland Um, Adam Saad potentially going somewhere else as well 
Joe Danaher not going to be there. They don't have a forward line. Their midfield's pretty good. And down back, if Kale, well, Kale Hooker might be going somewhere too now. So go, go figure. Has Sorry? been delisted as well. Who? Melkson. Yeah, okay. So there's... Melkson was years ago, though. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. Hang on. <laughs> Someone <laughs> got right. delisted. I remember uh, it's, that. It's just, I mean, you need a forward that's going to be fit. You need uh, some midfield someone in the midfield i think and then you need some defenders as well that that twitter that handle that's getting efc finals is going to be uh updating quite regularly next year because i don't i can't see them making finals again uh, for another season sorry casper bad luck mckernan that's who i was talking yeah, about by yes. the way he Short got delisted and yes. retired yes i think there's not Melksham. Melksham went to melbourne didn't he? <laughs> yeah Melksham yeah. went to melbourne yeah so um yeah i the second half is it the second? You can't even say it's the second half of the season. I think since round six, that has been the whole low light. I think for well, round seven, I think Castor yep. for Essendon. Yep. Sorry, no, I would completely agree with that. Uh, before I get into it, because I'm still trying to collect my thoughts, Liam, how about you go? Uh, the low light. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, the injury crisis, uh, the awful back end of the season. And losing all of their last four games. So, there's a, oh, is there's that all? <laughs> yeah, that's all. Just, just, you know, a list full of things that went wrong for Essendon. Mm. Um, but there are a few positives, which was uh, the start of the year, winning four of their first five games. And uh, a stunning season from uh, Ridley, who had a remarkable 87.5% disposal efficiency, cool. which is, I think, equal best in the comp, unless I'm mistaken. So, Dang. yeah, great wow. year from him. Average marching in those last four matches, by the way, boys. Just over six goals. Just, <laughs> just to exclamation mark your uh, point there, Lee. Eli, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, um, riddled with injuries. Um, it was never going to help. Uh, I work with a, with a very passionate SM supporter and um, he also just didn't understand the team selections each week. Um, it didn't help with injuries, of course, but um, yeah, like you said, Mo, I don't think the two coaches worked. Um, I think the back end of the season with Worsfold on the way out didn't really sit well with a lot of Essendon fans because they just wanted him out. Um, knowing a few of my mates, they were just, I think from the start of the year, they were surprised that they even did the, uh, the handover um, season. Uh, I think it would have been beneficial for if Worsall did let Ben Rutten take the reins like it appeared so for most of the season, they should have just let him do it. He had enough tutelage under Worsall. Um, I think Worsall was the right man to take over in 2016 mm. during that um, yep. season with all the suspended players. But um, beyond that, yeah, I think, like you're saying about North Melbourne, Michael, they're three years behind. I think they are um, probably the most underachieved uh, underachieving side with their list as well because you suspected when they brought in Smith, Sard and Stringer as overrated as I think Stringer is, um, you couldn't help but feel that they were challenging for finals almost certainly and then even that season they probably underachieved. So, yeah, you just really don't know where they're at. Um, I just don't know what to make of them. I think it was the highlight for me was Joey Dano returning and playing like he did for one half but on the same, on the same hand, he's uh, on the way out. You say almost 100%. So, um, 
just not a great season. And I think uh, they'll be looking to load into preseason and, and get better. But yeah, McGrath, Ridley, um, certainly uh, some positive aspects there. Boys, I'm going to go get a cup of tea because um, I think Casper's, I can see uh, steam coming out of his head. So I'm just going to go grab a cup if that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wise man, dig yourself out of this being, one, wise man not being in the same room as me or on the same call when I'm about to go after my beloved bombers. Okay, so. Uh, well, there's a positive. I'm He's still calling him his beloved positive. bombers. Mm-hmm. No, they, they will always be my beloved bombers. Uh, they will always be my beloved bombers. Uh, plus, you know, I love a good bit of alliteration. Beloved bombers. But I'll say this. Low standard bombers, more like. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, very, very good. Very good. Right, so to, I think our best victory of the year was easily the win against Collingwood because our, our wins this year have come from sustained pressure. Tight pressure football, and it worked, right? We, sm- we, we crushed Collingwood. We smothered Adelaide. But that second half against Hawthorne was electrifying because of our pressure and our ball movement. And that's all I can say for the positives. Now for the negatives. The smothering of Adelaide. The smothering of Adelaide. <laughs> can we just go back over that for a sec, boys? The smothering of Adelaide. Adelaide finished dead last. <laughs> like, seriously. Anyone could... Oh, okay, okay. Coming from me, anyone could smother anyone, Adelaide. Anyone? Really? Anyone? Hmm. I was Tell thinking me. that. I was like, come on, smothering Adelaide. Guys, yeah, it's not that hard. How much have you guys... Wait, hang I mean, on yes, we so, lost to them, but it's not yeah, that hard. Yeah, I was about hard, to surely. say thank you. Right, about to say sorry. Three out of the four co-hosts here have had their teams win against Adelaide this year, Michael. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I know that. But Moving still. On. I think for me, point is we beat the Crows and it was a good win. Moving on. I think for me, just the lack of heart in our losses was so humiliating. Week after week, it turned out, we found new inventive ways to lose. Whether it was by a forehead against Carlton, by choking a 29-point lead against the Giants. And Liam, you can get cocky about us choking a 29-point lead. At least that wasn't in a grand final. But moving on. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Hey, look, right? At least you guys make grand finals. I don't know when we're going to make a grand final next. We then, right, wave of inside 50s we conceded against the Tigers. Umpire interference against the Tigers. Oh, you the can't Giants. be blaming umpires. Come on. I for those two losses I can, but I can't blame the umpires that for something. five particular losses. Thirty-five points against the Saints. Sixty-six points against Geelong. Forty-two points against the Dogs. Fifty points against Port Adelaide. And there's someone else in there too. I can't think of, but I know we've been smashed. But hang on, I need to look at this. I can't remember the last time Casper didn't send me a message after a loss blaming the umpires. <laughs> Look, Liam, Every I think time. it was because I think it was because I'll be honest with you. I think it was because I was disillusioned about how good this football team actually is. You know, you know what the problem is, Liam. He watches it on delay, so we get like three or four hours later, and we've already seen it, so we know exactly what's going on. Yep. Yeah, you're anticipating the wrath of Casper. <laughs> you're just waiting there, just going like, oh, God, I can't wait for uh, him to blame the umpires. Um, look, to 
it we just the ways that we've lost this year. It doesn't matter if we lost by five points or we lost by 66 points. It's all demoralizing. And as an Essendon supporter, there's no reason to hope that next year is going to be better. Especially if Danaher's going, if Fantasia is going, if Saad is going, if Hooker is going. And look, all those players, all of a sudden, half of our spine is gone. Some might say you're spineless already. <laughs> some, not me. I'm just saying some might say that. I would say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of uh, Hooker being dropped late in the season? Uh, that was very surprising for me because he's versatile for one and he seems to be one of your only consistent performers, especially in the key position roles. Is he better up forward than he is down back? There's another well, part to it. He's yeah. at least useful. Yeah, <laughs> true. You know what I and he's worry fit. about? <laughs> you know what I worry about? If Danaher goes, if Hooker goes, McKernan's gone. We got rid of Mitch Brown last year, which I do not know to this day why we did that. Melbourne, you are welcome. Treat him like gold because he's an incredible Tom, Tom player. Tom Bell Chambers is gone. Bell Chambers is gone. What forward options do we have? Saad could be going. We need Ben Brown. We need Ben Brown. That's who we need. We need Ben Brown or Jeremy Cameron. Throw Jordan Ridley up forward. Yeah. Honestly, why not? Let's let him do everything. We'll win well, it. At least he, we'll win more games targets. that way. And he That's and true. he and he won his best. In, he won the best and fairest too. So well done. That's Very true. Impressive. God bless you, Jordan. <laughs> God bless you, and thank <laughs> you for being part of our team. Because hey, Eli, you, Liam, we would have finished lower. Five thousand eight hundred and sixty-five days in counting. <laughs> I'll just leave that number there. <laughs> now you can add a whole, whole off-season onto that. So <laughs> it's going to be after one 6,000. Uh, Casper's not going to have us back, boys. <laughs> Enjoy your last episode on the podcast, guys. No, I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, though, to Fremantle, a team that I can enjoy eviscerating. Right. Okay. Fremantle, I'll say this for the Dockers, right? Surprisingly, a really good season from them. I said multiple times during the year that they reminded me of your Brisbane Lions, Eli, back in 2018, right? Didn't, you guys didn't win a lot of games that year, but you guys came very close to winning a lot of games. And some people might say, oh, what does that... That means the fact that you're gaining confidence. You gain confidence in the fact that you can match it with the other teams in the competition. And just looking at some of these Fremantle losses, six points against us, only 12 points against Brisbane, 13 points against the Gold Coast Suns, uh, yeah, okay, got crushed, you know, comfortably beaten by West Coast. But they then beat Collingwood. They had good wins at the back half of the year. If it wasn't for dodgy umpiring and a couple of baffling decisions against Carlton, they would have won that game as well. Back so to they, the umpires again. Here we go. <laughs> come yep. on, you have to admit, that final passage of play against Carlton was problematic from Fremantle's point of view. Right? There were several mistakes that the umpires made during that little passage, which led to the Noons goal. Not taking anything away from Jack News. That kick was better than Dom Sheets' kick in the 2018 Grand Final, Liam. What do you think? <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> their well, low said. Light, well said, Liam. Their, <laughs> their low light. West Coast has now beaten, have now beaten the Dockers, I think, 10 times in a row. Uh, 10 or 11 times in a row. It's now a record for Derby streaks, right? West Coast won the first nine derbies against Fremantle and they've won the last 10 or 11 against them. When is this streak going to end? At this point, with where the teams are sitting, Fremantle won't beat West Coast until 2024. 
that has to change. Because if there's, some, if there's anything that symbolizes the two contrasting trajectories of the teams over the last four or five seasons, it is, it's that. And they haven't been close to derbies for the most part. They've been demolition derbies. So fix that up. Learn how to win the close games. And they could play finals next year. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, I, my points sort of launched from your initial points about Brisbane. Um, in that year, we built up our defence. Um, our percentage, even though we finished last and won bugger all games, I think our percentage was up around 90, um, mm. which you wouldn't see for too many wooden spooners. So I like what Justin Longview has done. They haven't scored a lot. That's why they haven't won too many games, but they're building their defence. And their back six, without without a real sort of key defender, have done well. Luke Ryan had a fantastic season. Um, Brandon Cox, when he was down there, was good. Griffin Logue was good. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're building up their defence really well. But to go off my point about they're not scoring, my low light for them is them scoring two goals, four against the Cats. Albeit it wasn't the wet, but... They scored three points until half time, and um, I think that's just rough. But um, next season, do they get Hamling back in as a, as a key position player? I'm not sure, but uh, when you've got quality like Fife and Walters in there, I think that's certainly uh, carrying them. Even though Fife, I just watch him and it just looks like he's going through the motions, and then he somehow just racks up and just impacts, which is just phenomenal. But um, yeah, same thing with Sydney. Like they, they challenged a lot of teams, um, which I think is certainly positive. And they finished a lot higher than I thought they would. They were sitting low for a majority of the year in the ladder. So um, I think they had a pretty good second half of the year without looking at their win-loss. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good season for them because, like, like you were saying about Sydney, like what expectations did they have? You don't know. Um, I, I didn't have many on them. So I think they've, uh, they've put themselves as as a team to be worried about, um, especially for some of the top teams, like we only, we only beat them by a couple of goals. Um, so they're, they're probably not going to tear teams apart with blistering offense, but they will challenge, um, which I think is certainly positive for them. Fully agree with that. Liam? Yeah, I mean, they gave themselves a tough task after losing their first four games of the year. Um, that was always going to make things difficult. Um, and yeah, that 16 point total against Geelong was pretty abysmal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, besides Walters and Fife, they didn't have too many players, I think, who really stepped up for them. I think that was the problem. They need a few more players who can kind of, you know, really step up when they need a player to. But um, there was, you know, quite a few. Overall, it was a good year. You know, they had notable wins against us, uh, St Kilda, Melbourne. Mm-hmm. A thumping of North Melbourne, um, mm. albeit not that difficult, but still a thumping nonetheless. Mm. And it's good to see, uh, you know, someone from Collingwood and Justin Longmore have a, a quality year. So yeah. that was, uh, you know, something that I enjoyed. Hey, don't forget he was from Fremantle first. Yeah, yeah. But he, he you know, he liked the trade at Collingwood. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, how about you? Yeah, I think everything's been covered, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Matt Tabernard. I think was pretty good for him as well. Uh, I think I think he was a bit unlucky not to get all Australian. To be perfectly honest, um, you look at like as a forward, um, you kick mid twenties goals, and that's still that's been a pretty good year. So um, you look at it, and 
you know, you, I suppose you've got to be a midfielder to be playing in the forward line these days. But um, it's it's interesting to to see how how it works out. But yeah, I think Tabano was good, like you mentioned. Um, a few players there that did stand up. I like the look of Michael Fredericks. Um, he looks really quick um, and someone who they can almost build the side around. So um, liking the look of him as well. And, and obviously he's still got five. I'm bullish on them. If they can get a good start to the season next year, they could be vying for the bottom half of the eight. And I don't think that's too far. That's not too much of a lie at this point in time. No, and, I don't but, think it's too crazy. But I don't think I don't think if they had have won that game, held on to the win that game against Carlton, do you reckon they would have been playing finals or being what not well, been in the in the scrum to play finals at the end of the year? Absolutely, because they beat Carlton, they go up to eleventh. They probably their percentage probably would have been better than the Giants. They would have finished equal points with the Giants. All of a sudden, they're tenth on the ladder, and they're only. Um, a couple of games behind, or a game and a half behind Collingwood and a chunk of percentage. Momentum is a wonderful thing in footy, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd like to mention one player, Caleb Sarong as well, won the right. Oh, yes. Um, ah. Yeah, he skipped my mind as well, but he had a fantastic season. I think the Rising Star Award was certainly just reward for him. It wasn't a Sarong decision. <laughs> I'll show myself out now. Moving on from that, we go to the 11th place Blues. Uh, They did better than I thought they were going to. So on the one hand, I'm kind of impressed. But on the other hand, they had a real opportunity to make finals this year. And they absolutely blew it. When they beat the Suns by... Uh, when they beat the Suns by 33 points back in the Indigenous round up in Darwin, uh, which was a fantastic game in terms of the um, in terms of the actual event itself, they they had an op- they were well placed to make the top eight. And then looking at their season since then, four goal loss to Collingwood in a game that they should have won. Then they lost to the Giants in a game that they definitely should have won. They were front by by like a billion points, and they somehow lost that. Lucky to squeeze past Sydney, considering the fact that the Swans started with the first seven goals of the game. Then Carlton finally decided to show up. Gave up a massive lead to the Adelaide Crows at halftime. This time, the Crows didn't choke like the Swans did. And that ended their season before a round 18. Did they win on round 18? No. No, they lost to Brisbane. That's right. They lost to Brisbane, which is not a terrible loss. But they had countless opportunities to make finals football this year. And I think that will leave a sour taste in their mouths. I think low light as well for them is undoubtedly, undoubtedly, their slow starts. What is up with their slow starts? And it cost them this year big time. Lost the Crows after conceding like the first like 20 goals against them or however many it was. They conceded a flood of goals against Melbourne in the first half, conceded like the first six or seven in that game, and lost by under a goal. So had they shown up an hour earlier, they would have won. They've got to fix it. I don't know what it is. They just have to fix it. And David Teague, bless him, in the last game against Brisbane at halftime, lost his mind at halftime. Love were, a good spray. Love a good spray. But it was a needed spray as well. 
right? And that recalled for me some of the great sprays from like Terry Wallace and Rondeo Barassi. Jeez, I tell you, if Carlton fans, if, if David Moldhouse. King can turn out to be <laughs> Nick Moldhouse, oh man, maybe Rocket Eat as well. But the point still stands. They conceded eight. Oh, that's not too bad, actually. But in the second quarter, I'm just reading here, they conceded 33 points to one. 33 to one. Learn how to play four quarters of football, Carlton. Otherwise, when footy does return to full-length quarters, whenever that will be, it will hurt you more. Don't disagree with that. Go next? Don't disagree with that. I think he's disemboweled another side, guys. Um, <laughs> I what is that now? <laughs> what are we I up to? Eight? <laughs> a, yeah, just stand on like a pile of football carcasses of like teams that I've disemboweled. I could just see that too. I plant this for the Through the Better podcast. <laughs> plant this yeah. flag for Through the Better podcast. Um, uh, dear, um, I think I think you're not wrong. I think Carlton need if if it's a one one fifteen start, tell them it's starting at twelve fifteen because at yep. least they'll get there and they'll work that out a bit better. Um, yep. Their their starts have been terrible, um, but we just. I like the look of what they what they're doing. I think they they're on the right track. Um, they do need to find a couple of people to help out Crips. Cade Simpson, highlight of the season for mine was the Falcon that he copped for sure. <laughs> yeah, poor bloke. I mean, especially the fact that he was unable to taste much finals success and all that sort of stuff. That you want to see some good players go out on a good. Um, on a good note and all that. Yeah, he he's done so well. Three hundred, what was it? Three forty-two. Um, that's a that's a massive effort at one club. Um, mm. Blokes like he, like you could probably list off a few of them. The blokes like him, Robert Harvey, uh, probably Gary Ablett Senior. These sort of blokes that never got the op- the ultimate success and all that sort of thing. Um, Nick Rewalt, uh, a couple of others, Stewie Lowe, probably a lot of St Kilda players anyway. Um, but you look at it and go, you, you just wish they got the opportunity to have a look at it uh, from a big point, like a big um, the crack at the at the grand final, but they never got the opportunity. Um, congratulations to him. I think he's done a fantastic job in supporting that club because I don't think they'd be where they are today without him. So Carlton, uh, I, I'm bullish on Carlton. I like the opportunity of what they're going to do. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um... I think it was still a very impressive season because you think about Paddy Cripps being nowhere near as good as he was last year and previous years. Was he carrying injuries? Probably. Um, but I think it was positive that they uh, were able to sort of persist on without him being having to carry. Um, I only have to go back to when we versed him last year and he had 40 touches and four goals or something ridiculous like that. It was like 38 disposals. And um, it took it, that type of effort for him to carry them over the line. So it was good to see them... Uh, playing well without him having to dominate. Um, I think their, the win against Geelong um, earlier in the season was incredible and I think that really gave a lot more confidence to Carlton fans because it's been promised for the last few years. Um, they think, okay, we've got a couple more uh, players. Uh, we're almost there, um, but then it just turns into disappointment. So I think that was a good start for them and yeah, they very they could very easily be playing finals. They they win those games, that, <laughs> those tight games that they lost and they could very easily be sitting where the uh, where Collingwood are, even even higher. So, um, I think they will be quite pleased, Carlton fans and the the football club. Yeah, that 
when you think they missed out on finals, um, you probably think not. But overall, it's it's definitely a huge improvement. Um, and I'm, I'm liking where they're going. Um, I think it's good for football that Carlton does well. Um, as much as you, you hate them and love to hate them, um, I think it's I think I still think it's good for football, as weird as that sounds. Liam's definitely agreeing with that last comment as much as you oh. love to hate them. Actually, <laughs> I'm getting oh. sick at the thought of Carlton above Collingwood. Oh. <laughs> How do you think I feel? They're actually above Essendon. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Get the orchestra out for you, Casper. Hey, 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 hey. hey. 16 flags are still greater than 13, buddy. Last time I checked, 16 is a greater number. Don't well say. done. You can do the math. Thank you. Thank you very much. My math teacher would be proud. Liam, how about your opinion on the Blues? The, the longer yeah. they stay down, the better, Liam? Oh, obviously. Don't want to see them getting anywhere near finals. Um, <laughs> there's a few things, I think, which I can point on the low side. Um, ironically... I think, you know, they've had uh, slow starts this year, whereas in the past, they've actually been good starters in the years that they've done worse, I'd argue. They had a history of, you know, starting off really well and then, you know, petering out in games in the years gone by. This year was kind of the flip side of that. Um, And then there's honourable mentions to their second half against Collingwood, which was abysmal. They kicked four points against us. Uh, You know, if they were playing against a team who could actually kick goals would have been probably 60 points to four. But, you know, we don't kick goals, so they got lucky. It was only 36 to four. Uh, and then an even more honourable mention uh, was Robbie Gray's goal. That was one hell of a moment. Oh. <laughs> hey, are you oh. taking that because they're magpie, the, the support Adelaide Magpies or what? <laughs> Love those prison, prison bars. Can I throw prison bars at you or no? Not yet. <laughs> Too as long as Eddie isn't here. As long as Eddie isn't here. Um, but it was a pretty good year for Carlton. I spoke earlier about how competitive Sydney were. I think Carlton were even more competitive. They only lost once by more than four goals. Mm. So they really, you know, made teams work for their wins. So as much as it pains me to say, there are quite a few positive things coming out of the season for Carlton. Also probably noteworthy mentioning just their lapses. Um, like You mentioned giving up the starts, but um, even throughout the games where they get a decent lead and then they just give up five or six goals um, unanswered, which is, yeah, you're not going to win too many games or at least compete um, giving up that sort of... Um, you have to look at the Brisbane game and it was pretty even. Then the second quarter, we come out and kick five goals. Um, that's just about the game right there because it's big ass to come back from, especially with these shortened quarters. Mm. They conceded four or five goals in a row against us. Against us of all teams. At least and, Brisbane's a good team. And, and Hawthorne. You know, they kicked the first five goals of the game and then I think the rest of the game was like 12 to 4. You'd, you'd remember that, Michael. I was listening on the radio and it was fantastic listening to it. I turned it off after the first quarter. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I thought we were getting smacked. I'm sitting there going, oh, could it get any worse? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> we actually ended up winning that, so that's not bad. Yeah, Carlton yeah, fans would have done wise to do the same thing. Just turned it off at quarter time. <laughs> now... There are certain teams that miss finals that you could say, okay, well, at least they had a good season. You know, they might deserve, I don't know, a pat on the back, but, you know, they deserve at least a little bit of kudos for performing above expectation, right? Gold Coast, Fremantle, these type of teams, Carlton. And then there are teams that deserve to be disemboweled. (laughs) And that is where I put the Giants. To go from finals, a grand final, not just finals, a grand final. Oh, they, they didn't really get past big, the prelim, really. Big, 
That's nine disembowelments and counting, guys. <laughs> they had an opportunity. I don't know what it is. I, I secretly think that Leon Cameron might be the worst coach in the in the league. Because oh. I reckon because he has come on with the list he has. With the list he has. Is that the coach's problem or is that the players? Well, that's a good question. That's an excellent I'm asking question. you, what what is it? Well, surely it's the coach's responsibility to get the best out of his players or her players. Uh, I think that he, he hasn't done that. Uh, is there I a think... female coach that I'm missing here? Well, <laughs> yeah, hey, who knows in future, right? I think he's certainly underachieved. Um, but to say he's the worst coach in the league is probably a, li- a little stiff. Um, who that is, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a fair moniker to put on anyone. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, the coach being the problem is always a cop out. Um, any team that underperforms, like, oh, it must be the coaches. So even Brendan Bolton at Carlton, um, it's like, well, no, even though Teak did get them up, but under the direction that he had, Bolton was trying to rebuild them and Teague just gave his players more license, hence the wins. And um, I think you've got to look at the list and the players. Um, the list is not a problem, so it must be the players because, like we mentioned earlier, was there any heart? You just, you just don't know. And again, to drop the captain, I think it's just a terrible message to send to your team. Um, especially the younger players coming through because you're, you're supposed to be looking up to this bloke um, and then he can't get a game, essentially. It's not because he was injured. It's not because he pulled out. He's not because he's managed. It's because they dropped him. Um, and I just don't think that was the right way to go about it. They underachieved. Yeah, they had a terrible season. I think there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. Um, my little highlight for them was Nick Haynes getting recognition as a just a, he's just a reliable performer. Um, obviously, I'll talk about the um, All-Australian honours. Um, yeah, shining light. Again, one of their gun players. But um, I think he really does a role that it doesn't just look good on the stat sheet. Um, I'm pretty sure he took the most marks in the competition. Um, you find a lot of those were intercept marks. Um, probably a lot of them just silly courage back and back and uh, just being ridiculous. So he, he was instrumental as always for them coming out of that back half. So um, that was my highlight for them, which let's be honest, highlights are seldom for the, uh, for the Giants. So um, yeah, there's not much, not much more to say about them. It's interesting to see where they go from here because like we mentioned earlier, they're in a weird spot. Um, and I just think it takes more effort to, to improve for them. I'm throwing Jake Riccardi at you as a highlight. I think yep. that's like, I'm not going too much more into it because, as we said, we've dealt with it a fair bit tonight already, the GWS guy side. But I think Jake Riccardi um, smashing it out on debut. I think, what was it, four goals he kicked over in Perth um, and was the 44th best player on the field. Go figure. Uh, (laughs) That was a random sort of thing to come out. Um, But, yeah, I think he's a very good player to keep an eye on and and watch watch what was going on. I think, uh, who was it? Um, goal of the year contender, the swing of swinging, uh, grubber Brent kick. Daniels. Brent Daniels, thank you. Um, I think he'll win goal of the year personally. Has to. Um, the beautiful off break coming from about what five meters out, sort of thing. So, just the way that went was just gold. So, oh, there's a couple of highlights for you, uh, in regards to a GWS fans. So, um, but yeah, underachieving season, I think probably sums it up very much so there, I, Eli. Can I just suggest, uh, so goal of the year, Brent Daniels, mark of the year, Bobby Hill? Surely, for that specky he took against the Crows. 
I'll have to go back and have a look at it. Oh my goodness, that is the best mark I've seen since Andrew Walker decided to use Jake Carlisle as a stepladder. So by that logic, he's not going to win. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Do you um, reckon Liam? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, by the way, on the topic of you know the worst coach label, I mean. Essendon are going to be favourite. They have two of them, so <laughs> that instantly puts them in a strong position to, to grab that label. Um, I can't refute that. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see Casper try. <laughs> can't argue with that. But, uh, you know, taking away from Essendon, you know, which we've been giving a lot of hate to, as, you know, much delight as I take in that. Fair enough, too. But um, <laughs> GWS season, you know, we've, we've banged on about it, but you know, well below standard and, you know, not just losing, but a lot of just ones that they really should be winning. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, there's just so many losses in there, which a team with the quality that they have really should not be. Um, but, you know, the few highlights are that impressive round one win against Geelong, which pretty much went downhill from there. Um, but also the fact they still have a great list. So if they can get the best out of those players, they're more than capable of being, you know, a threat come finals. Just about getting the best out of them. They lost to Adelaide as well. Can I just throw that in there? They lost to Adelaide as well. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Hawthorne were the only ones to lose to Adelaide. Um, the just Giants, it out there. The Giants for me, right, kind of remind me of a Gatorade drink, right? Gives you a high dose of energy, high dose of sugar, and then just a massive sugar crash and sugar coma after that. Well, the Giants must have been in a sugar coma for the last four games or so because after beating Fremantle, they got done by the Crows in Adelaide. They lost a winnable victory against Melbourne and then a disappointment in round 18 to finish off the season. It's only fitting that their logo looks like a discount knockoff Gatorade logo. And now moving on to Melbourne. I just want to go back on to GWS just for a second. Mm. As a club, they can't make finals in either the football or the netball. They're going to finish probably fifth or sixth in the super netball as well. So there you go. Nothing's going right. (laughs) Nothing's going right for them. At least Collingwood are going to get the wooden spoon of the netball. They're going to play finals at least one match in the finals for for the footy. So we'll go with that. If you know the big, big sound, right? Instead of a massive, massive oh, sound of quiet. giant supporters, it's more like one giant supporter who doesn't really know what's going on because they don't really follow football because they're from the Western suburbs and so they don't really know they're from Western City. They don't really know what football is, so they don't know what's going on. And they're just clapping, and everybody else is just dead silent. It's probably most of their cheers going to be fair. Clapping. <laughs> True. <laughs> Melbourne. Now, uh,. They nearly made me eat my words. Nearly. Can, can, we, can we be positive on, on a side tonight, Casper? Oh, no, no, is no, no, there, no, 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 no. Because no, I think... No. I'll, I actually I'll say think... this, right? I'll say this, right? I tipped them to win the wooden spoon back when the season restarted. And so I think that they've had an excellent season. They've had a very, very, very good year, Melbourne. Shocker. Well done. No disembowelment. Well What's going on? Full <laughs> kudos to you. Full kudos to you. You nearly made me eat my words by making finals football. Well, you did make me eat my words because I thought you were going to miss finals football and you didn't. The victory against uh, the victory against the Giants was a fantastic win. Great way to bounce back after losing to Sydney and Fremantle. Great win in the red centre against the Saints. Good victory against us in the final round. You crushed Collingwood. I'm just looking here by 56 points. I forgot about that game. You annihilated, you annihilated Mel, uh, North Melbourne by under 10 goals. Remember when North Melbourne used to beat Melbourne every single game? 
Not anymore, that's for sure. They beat Adelaide by 50 points in a game that people thought you might lose. You nearly beat Brisbane. You beat Gold Coast when Gold Coast were up and flying. And you beat Hawthorne by 53 points. Am I doing the math right? 43 points. No, I'm not doing the math right. 43 points. There's normally a thing a that says Melbourne win by how many? Impressive, <laughs> impressive, impressive season. However, the lowlights <sighs> do have to come. The lowlights do have to come. <laughs> Right, it's only fair. Here I was thinking we were going to get a positive thing, a positive reaction <laughs> out of you, Casper, tonight. The lowlights uh. do have to come. And it's in that two-game stretch in Cairns. Heading into it, they were shoo-ins against Sydney and they were shoo-ins against Fremantle. And I don't know what happened. They a terrible, a terrible, terrible effort against the Sydney Swans. Because at least Fremantle, you could say, that, okay, well, Fremantle, they had a good season. They've been impressive. Sydney, meanwhile, finished 16th, and you lost to them comfortably. That loss is inexcusable. And once again, Melbourne, for the second time in the last few seasons, 2017 being the other time, you guys won the Cusper-making finals only for the last game or the second last game of the season to knock you out. And it's just a typical Melbourne performance, a typical Melbourne season. Even in a year where they vastly outperformed expectations, they still disappoint. Jeez, he's a harsh critic, boys. I don't know. Hope you enjoy your cheese platter, Melbourne fans, because you ain't enjoying a premiership anytime soon. Seventeenth last year, ninth this year. I think they've exceeded expectations. I think they've what won an extra four games in a shortened season. Uh, they've, I mean, yes, they've still got things they need to work on, like the forward line. But I think they've got their midfield working relatively well. Petrarca in the midfield's doing really well. You got uh, Gorn, Oliver, all that sort of stuff happening through the midfield as well. Their backline's working pretty well. Uh, I think Melbourne fans will be... I mean, yes, they're disappointed on two fronts this year. The fact that they'd missed out on finals by, what, half a game in, in percentage or and the fact that there was no snow season. Um, <laughs> but at the same... And they couldn't take their Range Rovers anywhere else. If I could add all the cliches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same point, I think I think Melbourne fans would be encouraged. Uh, surely they've got to be encouraged by that. They've, yes, every side goes... Every club supporter goes into it going, yes, we want to make finals. Yes, we want to make finals. But for Melbourne, they, wanted to, they would have looked at it and gone, 17th, let's see how far up the ladder we can get. And to make it to ninth, yeah, they're probably not there yet. Uh, honestly, I thought Carlton probably would have been a better option to make the finals had they have made had they have won those couple of extra games. But at the same time, I think Melbourne are, are there and thereabouts. And, and I reckon they'll be playing finals probably before Essendon will. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. So there you go. That's my wrap-up in Melbourne. I'm impressed. It's a fair argument. I mean, you know, like Casper said, you know, they, they were looking really good for finals until those two costly losses against Sydney and Fremantle. Mm. I mean, you take those out of the question and, you know, they're probably, well, they are. They're in there. So, you know, just an unfortunate slip-up for them. Um, are they a disappointment, though? Not on the whole, but I think those two losses were because it cost yeah. them, you know, the their spot in finals. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they had a great patch there from round nine to 11. You know, three consecutive wins over 50 points in a, you know, shortened quarter year. That's, you know, very, very, very impressive. And another very, very impressive thing was Petrarca's season. He oh. took his game to new heights as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, 
should he be playing in a team that is in finals going forward, he'd be, you know, up there with the likes of, you know, Dustin Martin in terms of, you know, impact on a game out of nowhere, you know, Dangerfield, those sorts of players. Agreed with that. He should finish quite high up in the uh, Brownland medal count. I'm excited to see where he finishes. And Eli, for you for the last word. Yeah, I've, I can liken this season for Melbourne to last year for Brisbane, um, just from my personal experience, that we didn't expect to be, I mean, I, I, I personally didn't expect to be finishing second last year. So um, we got a lot of flack for going out in straight sets and home finals. Um, and I was disappointed, but I was disappointed because we got to that point and I still believe we were good enough to win um, at least one final, maybe not the whole thing. Um, but for Melbourne, they probably wouldn't have been expecting to crack into the top eight, but because because they had that chance and because they lost those games, um, I think these fans would be disappointed um, momentarily, but then on reflection, they'll, they'll realise that they had a, a massive improvement um, and like you said, Mark, to win four more games in a shortened season as well, you just don't know where that could have uh, could have gone. And were they only two points out, was it? Or were they... Yeah, half a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't think that's a, an underachievement by any stretch. And um, yeah, my highlight was certainly Christian Petrarca. He's living up to expectations, finally. Um, you probably expect him to be top five Brownlow. He's top five in the AFL Players and Coach Association MVP. Um Lucky Neil's going to make it hard for him. Oh, top five. That's why I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I think we can just about chalk that up. There was talks that the uh, Brownlow was going to be held at Lucky Neil's house instead. So <laughs> I think that would have been uh, easier logistically and financially. But um, yeah, one low light, I think. It's not even a low light, I guess. But one thing that I would have liked to, uh, would have liked a more fairy tale story would have been Harley Bennell. Um, they took a risk on him. He, he come through early. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard too much about the COVID breach. I don't think, I'm not sure if it was that uh, bad. I haven't, to be honest, I haven't really done my research on that one, but. Um, they suspended him for four matches, haven't they? Yep. There, there you go. Yeah. So I think that's probably um, for Melbourne taking such a big risk on him um, with all these issues. We'd all know his potential, but um, I think the upside was certainly uh, riskier than, probably uh, realism. Um, so I think for him to do that is probably a little bit of a sort of spit in the face to the club. I mean, albeit towards the end of the year and he wasn't playing, but um, I would have liked to have seen him uh, really kick on. And oh, we might say that next year, get a good preseason under him and um, obviously from round five onwards, but uh, we'll see how he goes. But I think it was a very good season for Melbourne. Um, May and Lever working well down back. Um, I, I think it was... Fantastic. So um, I'm optimistic for the next year, and I think Melbourne fans on a whole will be very pleased with the season, albeit the disappointment. They need to get it forward. They need to get a key forward that can mark a ball and to kick goals for them. And, and that's probably, on the market. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the big loss with Hogan. You can make an argument that he was a little bit up and down, but I think for a couple of seasons he was kicking over 40 goals, and then take that out of the equation, um, that's going to hurt any side. So, um, yeah, as much as you can have a go at Hogan for um, the way he played, you take that out of you take that out of that side, and that hurts. So I think that's probably where the uh, loss was last season. I still don't know. I yeah, really have no idea what went wrong last season to to go from a prelim to to that. But um, yeah, good season on the whole for Melbourne, I think. Thank you guys 
for joining me for this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Liam and Eli, best wishes to Collingwood and Brisbane, respectively. I know that MVD and I will be watching this weekend's, uh, this coming weekend's action with Envy, um, but also kind of uh, Next kind weekend. Of glad that we're not going to be weekend, yeah. I have to Next wait weekend. another week. <laughs> yeah. I wanna, oh, as far as I'm concerned, let's just skip the game. There's no need to even have it happen. Let's just so, forfeit. Why not just forfeit. I don't want to have yeah, to watch what I'm going to have to go through. Just play, play AFL Evolution, and whoever wins that one then wins the game. Yeah. Oh, there's an enough. idea. There's an idea. Not I think a bad stand idea. A huh? chance, probably. How about that for COVID safe? No yeah. need for physical contact. Play AFL Evolution instead. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. The next episode will be a preview of the final series, including week one's matchups and who had the best opportunity to win this year's COVID premiership up at the Gabba. My name is Casimir McLeod, and until next time, au revoir.